0: of Christ's prayer for us. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were and you gave them to me and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you gave me, for they are yours. All mine are yours. And yours are mine and I am glorified in in them excuse me and I am no longer in the world but they are in the world and I am coming to you Holy Father keep them in your name which you have given me that they may be one even as we are one while I was with them I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them. Not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Excuse me. I have given them your word, and the world And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also might be sanctified in truth. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, help us to see that you are making us a special people. Set aside and called for your purposes through the proclaiming of your word among us now. Give Pastor Andrew the words for us to hear and us the ears for us to listen, for it is your word that we want to take into our hearts. May we truly see with our hearts that you are the one who is sending us, sending us to the circumstances and relationships we face in the days ahead. In Christ, who lives and reigns with you forever, we ask it. Amen. Please be seated.
1: Well, good morning. morning. That was very... That felt good. We're in the middle of this uh, prayer, often called the high priestly prayer. We're going to see in a little bit. You know, not only is Jesus praying for us, and as such, he's interceding for us as our high priest, but uh, there's also that language of consecration. Um, We'll see other ways in which he functions as our high priest. A couple of things just uh, about the prayer, you know, as you look at it, and maybe this would be a good exercise for you, especially you bibliophiles, which I hope we all are, just go back and compare this prayer to the Lord's Prayer. Uh, You'll be, uh, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised or just, uh, you know, confirmed that there's so much in this in which Jesus teaches us how to pray and then consistently he prays in a similar way from, you know, glorifying and, uh, keeping us from temptation, all of these different things that we run into, a lot of the same themes that are there. I want to start us, though, this morning in Vietnam. Uh, the man's name is Hien Pham. He a—he um, was in the early 1970s. He spoke English and uh, translated uh, for folks that would come. Uh, one of the people who actually tells the story is Ravi Zacharias, uh, Mr. Zacharias was much younger in 1970. Uh, he was in his mid-20s. Hien was uh, about 17 years old. And uh, they developed a relationship, and he then called Ravi 17 years later and shared this story with him. After the, uh, you know, during the time there in Vietnam, communism uh... all of those things young Hien was thrown into prison uh... because of his fellowship and help of the americans that were in the country he was uh... he was forced to read a lot of Marx and Engel. uh... he was uh, restricted to to just you know communist propaganda and french and vietnamese he was cut off from anything english or the West, and this went on for day after day, week after week, month after month. Finally, when he was in prison, after all of this, uh, this brainwashing, this uh, deluge of stuff, he, who was a Christian, said, maybe I have been lied to. Maybe God does not exist. Maybe the West has deceived me. So Hien determined The next day that when he awakened, he would not pray anymore or think of his faith. Strikes me because my guess is is that he is not the only one who has ever been in that situation. Now, Maybe you haven't been quite uh, quite as articulate or quite as vocal in terms of your determination. But have you ever felt like you've been lied to? Have you ever felt like, you know, maybe God isn't exactly who he says he is? Here I am in the midst of this hostile environment. Here I am undergoing all of the difficulties of life, you know, personally. I see our culture undergoing these things. Maybe God just isn't who he says he is. Well, you know, this is what Jesus is praying about. He's praying that we would know in the midst of the world that God is who he says he is. He's praying that through his word we would be encouraged that he is who he says he is. He continues to pray that we would be transposed by the wonder, the glory of the gospel, that we would have confidence, whatever situation we're in, that we would have confidence that he is who he says he is. Last week we looked at the beginnings of this prayer and, and, and we saw this amazing truth that what Jesus was communicating, what Jesus was praying to his Father about is that we would realize, that we would realize that in him, by faith in Jesus, through his finished work we are brought into the very glory of the Trinity, the glory that has existed before the world began, the glory that will continue through all eternity. That relationship is so expansive in its perfection that it is including the creation, including you and me, as we put our faith in Jesus And these themes continue on, and Jesus prays for his disciples. Now, we mentioned last week that it is a prayer for the 12, this very imperfect community, or perhaps I'm better off saying the 11, since Judas has gone out from them at this point. But in verse 20, he says, I do not ask for these only, but also for all those who will believe in me through their words. So, he, he's looking down through the ages and, and he's seeing you and he's seeing me and he's, he's praying for the community. What is it that he is praying? Well, let's follow through it here. First of all, he's praying that we would be sanctified through the word and that word is truth. Look at the, the themes and how they jump out at us. I've manifested your name to the people. I, I've made it known, he says in verse 6. That you gave me out of the wor- world, yours they were, you gave them to me, and they've kept your word. Now they know, they know everything that you've given me is from you, for I've given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and they've come to know the truth that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. Verse 14, I've given them your word, and the world has hated them because they're not of The world sanctify them, verse 17, in the truth. Your word is truth. Uh, I consecrate myself that they may be also sanctified in the truth. As Jesus is talking to his disciples, he's praying, or as he's praying to his Father in the presence of the disciples, he's praying that they would remember the words. Uh, that they would be set apart, that's that word sanctified, we're going to come across it in a number of ways, set apart, set apart for holiness, agiasmos is the, is the Greek root root for it, it has to do with you know, consecration, being set apart, being set apart for holiness, but that they would be set apart in the word, there's a big emphasis on the word here. In Jesus's teaching and that's because he knows right he knows the frailty of our spirit he knows that he's going away he knows that the disciples are going to come into these moments of doubt and he's saying how is it that they are going to be kept how is it that they are going to be consecrated or built up into holiness it is through the words that I have given them, and these words are the truth. Now there are a couple of things there that we think about. You know, first of all, just this idea of truth. You know, we live in an age which Pilate sort of uh, encapsulates when he says, "What is truth?" Uh, we 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 wonder about it, and there is this. Uh, there is this sense that, you know, your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth. Uh, Jesus doesn't come at it from that direction, does he? Jesus says very clearly, you know, sanctify them in the truth, your word, the word that I have given them, the word about who I am, my life, my death, the word about being sent from the Father, this word, the gospel the scriptures that we have now passed down from us. This is truth. And and God says, this is what is going to keep you. This is what is going to sanctify you. You know that story of Hien Pham. uh, He was in the prison. And uh, the day after uh, he prayed that prayer, he said, tomorrow I am not going to think about you. Uh, I am not going to remember the faith, Uh, the commandant of the the prison assigned him to latrine duty. Uh, And latrine duty for a prisoner was absolutely disgusting. I will not go into all of the detail of what that entailed. But as he was going through this, you know, trying to to keep down the vomit, trying to go through all of the effects, uh, he noticed out of the corner of his eye as he was emptying uh, the, the place where the waste was, he noticed some paper with English written on it. And because he hadn't seen English in months and months and months, he was curious, took the piece of paper out, and he uh, washed it off and stuck it in his pocket to take back to his barracks to read later. When he opened it later, he recognized Romans 8. Trembling, he began to read, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. For I am convinced that nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He knew his Bible, and the words cut him to the very heart. He knew there was not a more relevant passage for someone like him who was on the verge of surrender. And he cried out to God, asking him for forgiveness, for this was have been the first day that he had committed himself to not praying. You see, the word, the word was truth. And the word was what found him, and the word was what kept him. And I think part of the question is, you know, Jesus prays for us, right? Jesus is our intercessor. But he has also given to us the tools by which we are kept. And and so part of of my question and part of my own wrestling and my struggles of, of faith and belief and, you know, part of my own wrestling as I go through difficult times in my life is, you know, where is the Word? What role is it playing in your life, both individually and corporately? You know, we encounter the Word. It's why we're committed to expository preaching, you know, going through, you know, line by line, learning the Word. But are we committed to that in our personal life? You know, are we, are we people of the book? Are we reading it? Are we, are we loving it? Are we allowing it to read us? You know, if if not, we shouldn't be surprised when we're pulled away. We shouldn't be surprised when doubts assail us. We shouldn't be surprised when we, we lacked clarity, you know, on how to handle this situation or that situation. When we find ourselves responding in anger instead of love, you know, any of these things that we see in ourselves and we hate, you know, the word is the, thing, is, is the means by which God gives us the instruction, the clarity. He gives us the pathway to follow. He gives us the attitude. All of these things in which we take into ourself. These are communicated to us via the word. Sanctify them, Jesus prays in the word or in the truth your word is truth. do you want to be sanctified do you want to be set apart consecrated kept by the Lord you're not gonna do it apart from the word and one of the reasons why this is so important is that we are sent into the world I I think you recognize this this is a a big passage you know particularly for those of us who uh you know, hold on to Calvinism or a reform persuasion. Uh, we often talk about being in the world but not of the world. Uh, you've heard that before, you know there's different ways that we think about our relationship to the world. We can be in and in. You know, that's typically not what we think about in terms of a Christian response. We're not in the world and just loving all the things that the world does, you know, following after its uh, ideologies. But we also aren't called to be out of the world. Uh, Jesus says, I've left them. I've sent them into the world. And and so this passage here where he says they are not of the world but they are in the world teaches us about our disposition, our attitude towards the world. And we are sent, it says in in verse, uh, is it 18, as you sent me into the world so I have sent them into the world. We are sent in the same way that Jesus was sent into the world. As you have sent me, in like manner to how you have sent me, Father, so I am sending them into the world. This is uh, really something to think about, right? I mean, A, that, that God would give us uh the the privilege and the responsibility of participating continuing the ministry of Christ it, it's incredibly humbling because we we know our hearts and we we know our strengths but even more than that we know our weaknesses you know so that God would deign to give us this ministry is an incredibly humbling thing but then to think about you know being sent into the world in the manner of Christ to continue this ministry, uh, it's not only humbling, but it's also challenging. It's challenging because let's think about for a minute how Christ was sent into the world. You know, Christ was sent from the glory of the Trinity. You know, this perfect fellowship that had existed Uh, from all eternity between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He was sent from the safety. He was sent from the glory. He was sent from the riches of heaven into the poverty of the world who was rich yet for their sakes became poor that we through his poverty might become rich. You know, it's just so different than the way that we think we we I, you know I think so often just have this mindset that we move from you know less stable to more stable. We loo- we move from you know the poverty of just getting married. Lisa and I had a time in our life when we were down to literally fifty six cents. Uh, that's all that we had to our name. We got it together. We went into Dairy Queen and we bought a mistake. Right, they uh, we didn't have enough to afford a real thing, but there was a mistake that we could get with our fifty-six cents. We were in love. What can you say? You know. Amen. But uh, we think that we move from you know less financial stability to more financial stability, right? You know, we get our four hundred one ks. We're moving forward. But Jesus was sent into the world just the opposite. He gave up safety, security, wealth, all of these things that we're aspiring for. He gave up these things in order to enter into our world to be killed, to be stripped, to suffer injustice. And he says, as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. Do you see how challenging that is? I mean, how in the world can we do this? Well, we go back to the Word, right? You know, the Word is part of the tools that gives us the ability to do this. But we can also do it because of the promises of Christ. You know, the promises of Christ were exposed, but were kept, you know, all all throughout this Passage, we see that Jesus has our back. I, I am praying for them, he says in verse 9. Holy Father, verse 11, keep them in your name. I have kept them in your name. I have guarded them. Not one of them has been lost, except for the one who was lost from the beginning. You know, I do not ask that you take them out of the world.